Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. satisfied I want to ask you that question I want you to really think about are you satisfied right now with where you are at with where your life is at with where your family is at with where your spiritual life is at are you satisfied can someone put their hand up say yes I'm satisfied anyone do I see a hand Let's everybody close their eyes and just give that person grace that they can put their hand up if they want to. You know, there should be a a holy dissatisfaction inside of us. There should be something inside of us that's driving us for more. Do you know why? Because there's always more. There's always more. That's why when we're talking about come up here, let's have a look at this Scripture. Come up here in Revelations 4. And verse 1, it says, Thank you. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Pastor Phil said this morning that Jesus Christ is the door. And that between heaven and earth, there is a passageway that we are able to go through any time we want to. Boldly, through the blood of Jesus, we can come before the throne of grace. Any time we can look up into heaven and see that there is an open door. We might read that scripture and go, wow, that guy was really spiritual. You know, he looked up in heaven, he saw a door open and then he heard a voice saying, come up here and I will show you things that must take place after this. He must have been so spiritual. But you know what? You have the spirituality anytime you want to, to go to that place, go before that door and say, God, show me. God, show me more than what I know now. Show me more than what I see now. Fill me with things that are going to blow my mind. Show me what this world is all about. What, what is happening as earth is spinning. What is happening as news items are coming up. What is happening in my world? Why am I here? What is the purpose for my being on this planet? Was I just born to, to wake up every morning, have my Wheaties, go to work, come home, watch television, do some Facebook, go to bed and do the same thing the next day? Or was I born for a purpose that's much larger than that? Is there a thing inside of me that's saying, come up here, is there something inside of me that's pushing me and saying, there's more. There is so much more. There is so much more. And I talked last week about how that, that in that movie, uh, The Giver, how they created a world where they saw only in black and white because it just took away the differences of colour of skin. But in taking away the colour of skin, they also took out the colour out of the world 
and there was no more joy in colour. There was no more creativity. There was no more expression. There was no more. Can you imagine waking up in the morning and seeing everything in black and white? But you know, sometimes our Christian lives can come down to that. But we just start to see in black and white again. Well, it's been so long since we've had that burning bush encounter. It's been so long since we've gone into our prayer closet and actually heard the voice of God speaking intimately to us. That our lives become mundane again. And our Christian lives become ordinary again. Perhaps you're here tonight and you've never heard God speak to you. Perhaps you're here tonight and you've never entered into anything out of the ordinary. But I'm here to tell you tonight, whether you're starting to see in black and white again or whether you've never seen colour, tonight there is a door open in heaven and there is a voice saying, come up here and I will show you things that you have not yet seen. See, God is incredibly, amazingly large. He's much bigger than your little brain can comprehend. You cannot work Him out. No one can fathom Him. You know, he, you might think that you've already worked God out. Oh, well, I've done that. I've been a Christian, you know, this amount of years and I've already worked it all out. And right now I'm just bored with Christianity. But I want to tell you, God is amazing. You know that there are angels that are flying around the throne day and night, flying around the throne going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And every time they fly around, they go, holy, holy. is Because every time they fly around Him, they see another facet of God and it blows their minds. And the angels, themselves going, holy is the Lord. Oh my gosh, holy is the Lord. They've seen something else of God. You know that you'll spend all of eternity getting your mind blown as God spends the whole of eternity revealing Himself and that won't even be enough for God to reveal how amazingly large He is. You know, when we reduce our worlds to this level, when we reduce our worlds down to the common denominator living, then our God becomes small as well. When we get small in Him, He becomes small in our minds. And guess what gets big? Problems get big. You know, problems become mountains in front of us. And we look at those mountains and they're so large in front of us. And we just wonder how can we move these mountains? There is only one way you can move those mountains and that's go to the mountain of the Lord, which is above all the other mountains and speak to those mountains and have them be removed into the sea. Amen. Here's a message scripture for you. Who wants to hear? A me- I had a, I've got one too. There you go. <laughs> yes. This is in Isaiah 40, 21 to 31. Listen to this. Have you not been paying attention? Have you not been listening? Haven't you heard these stories all your life? Don't you understand the foundation of all things? God sits high above the round ball of earth. <laughs> The people look like mere ants. He stretches out the skies like a canvas. Yes, like a tent. Um, He stretches out the skies like a canvas, just like a tent, canvas to live under. He ignores what all the princes say and do. The rulers of the earth count for nothing. Princes and rulers don't amount to much. Like seeds barely rooted, just sprouted. They shrivel when God blows on them. Like flecks of chaff, they're gone with the wind. So 
Who is like me? Who holds a candle to me? Says the holy. Look at the night skies. Who do you think made all this? Who marches the army of stars out each night? counts them off, calls each by name. So magnificent, so powerful and never overlooks a single one. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to those dropouts. <laughs> so even if you're a dropout, you're, yeah. For even young people tire and drop out, and young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. (laughs) The Bible's amazing if you just read it. If you just chew on it and meditate on it, God instantly becomes large. And your mountains that are in front of you instantly become very small. And the mountain of the Lord looks so accessible and so easy to climb. Amen. I have a a podcast that I listen to, uh, a lady named Heidi Baker. She's um, a missionary in Africa, has been there many, many, many years. I don't know how many years now, probably 30 years she's been in Africa. And she's an incredible woman of God. She sees incredible things happen. She sees amazing miracles. And I look at her and I just think, what is it about this woman? Why does she see so many miracles? And you know what it is? It's basically her childlike faith. I mean, let me tell you some stories. I mean, here's this woman. She has established orphanages. And she has this orphanage full of children and of course, the rebels, they come and they, they, they steal and they, they, they kill and they destroy. And she has to get all the children this one night and run with the children and they burn her orphanage to the ground. She's got nothing left, absolutely nothing. And, she, and she, she's running in the bushes, in the jungle, hiding these children, trying to hide. It's easier to hide because they're black. <laughs> That's a joke. And she's hiding this. Sorry, unless they open, unless they smile, it's like, hello, here I am. It's like, oh. And she's hiding these children and she sees this huge, really, you know, expensive house. And she goes and knocks on the door of this house. She says, please, this lady opens the door. She says, please, to this lady, I have these children. They're so hungry. We've got nowhere to go. You know, they burned our orphanage down. We've got nowhere to go. And the lady says, I have nothing to feed these children. She's living in this mansion. I have nothing to feed these children. And, and Heidi said it just, something welled up inside of her. And she remembered when she was in the anointing at a revival meeting, laying on the floor, that she had a vision of Jesus and he had his arms full of food. And he said, there will always be enough for my children. There will always be enough. 
And she, she remembered that vision and she, she felt so indignant. She felt so upset with this lady. She said, well, do you have some bowls? Just some bowls. She said, like, what, empty bowls? She said, yes, empty bowls. Get me all the empty bowls that you've got. And this lady goes in thinking she's crazy, just wants to get rid of her now. And she brings out all these bowls and Heidi hands the bowls out to all the children. There's about 20 or 30 children there. And they're standing with empty bowls. And then she just said, Lord, you said, you said there would always be enough. Lord, you said there would always be enough for your children. And when she opened her eyes, all the bowls were full of food. And the lady at the door standing with her mouth open because she realised that God is greater than any problem that we have. That God is, a, this is a true story. This is truth. So then God says to her, now you know how to do that. Not that she knows how to do it, it's that she knows how to believe that God can do it. Because <laughs> it's like childlike faith, isn't it? It's just like childlike faith. It's like desperation. So now you know how to do that. There's a famine in the land. I want you to go to, I don't know what they call them in Africa, Prime Minister, President, whatever he is. Prime Minister, is it? Somebody. President. Okay, go to the President. And I want you to say to him, there's a famine in the land, but if you call together, I think it was at the time 30,000 people. No, it was 10,000. She said, if you call together 10,000 people, then God's going to feed them. And all you have to do is provide the bowls. And so she goes to the president. She tells him this. And the president looks at her sneering and mocking God and says, let's make it 30. Let's make it 30,000. She says, you're on. So the president calls 30,000 people who are hungry to come and meet at this certain place and that God is going to feed them. And he provides the bowls. They hand out 30,000 bowls to all the people. And she just stands in front of them and she said, God, you said there would always be enough. You said there would always be enough. Every bowl was filled with food to overflowing. And the president fell to his knees and started to weep because God is a God who is greater than all our problems. We have to start to come up where He is. We have to see where He is. Amen. She's seen miracles and miracles and miracles. This is just one lady. So she goes to a full Muslim village where two weeks before they'd crucified a pastor upside down for believing in Christ. Full Muslim village. And she, she goes by herself with a couple of companions and just says, greetings in the name of Jesus. And the whole village come out with their spears and their swords and they're going to kill her and they're ranting and they're raving. They've got their war paint on and, and they're going, we're going to kill you. And she speaks the language. She says, well, just before you kill me, will you just give me, just give me one deaf person? Just one. Just send me a deaf person. And so they look around and they go, oh, well, you know. So they push this little child out, this deaf child, totally deaf since birth. And then she lays her hands on the ears of this deaf child. And she says, in the name of Jesus, open these ears. And she begins to weep over the child. Suddenly she says, I don't see the crowds. I don't see the spears, I don't see the war paint, 
I just see this child. And I see the one that's standing before Jesus, this one child who's never been able to hear. And I forget even why I'm there. I just realise that this child needs to know you love this. You need, he needs to know you love him, God. This child. And if I lose my life for it, so be it. And so she prays. Next minute, the little kid starts to cry. And he's saying, I can hear, I can hear, I can hear. He's crying. They start pushing out all the other sick and the deaf people. Everybody gets healed. The whole village gets saved. Everyone bows their knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And a full Muslim village becomes Christians. These are extreme stories. But we have an extreme God. We have an extreme God. And you say, well, Pastor Julie, these are just in, in these countries where, you know, people are desperate, you know, and they can't go to a doctor. So obviously they're going to have more faith. And it's easier to move there because they've got spirituality already. But I want to tell you that our nation is getting closer and closer. That if we don't turn soon, there's going to come a shaking. We need to bring God first before the shaking. We need to bring God. We need to prove that our God is greater than any God of Allah, that He is greater than any God of Buddha, that He is greater than any other God, that He is the mountain above all other mountains. We need to prove our God. And the only way we can do that is to go up to the mountain of the Lord, find Him and get something on us that helps us to move in childlike faith and make a difference wherever we go. Little Heidi Baker left a comfortable, rich family in the States, had to leave her parents who actually disowned her for 20 years for going, but ended up dying on the mission field helping her. Paid a price because she just said, someone has to go. Someone has to do it. Just recently, she, she, she got a disease. She, I think she called it MRSA, but I'm not absolutely positive of that. But she said it was MRSA. It was a flesh-eating disease that eats you from the inside out, similar to Ebola. And she's in her heart and she's, she, she now has, by the way, about 2,000 churches. I don't know how many orphanages she has. She has staff like thousands of staff, like she is an incredible work over there. So she's got this disease. This is only just in the last month. And she said, well, I'm dying. Well, this is not good. And she can feel this flesh eating disease, eating her flesh from the inside. And she's laying on this floor and she says, God started to speak to her. Who are you, O mountain, that you should stand before God? Who are you, mountain of mercy, you sickness, that you would stand before God? And she started, you know, from the floor, she's hardly got any strength. She's speaking to so I'm speaking to this mountain. I'm speaking to this mountain that has to move. Who is this mountain that it could dare infiltrate my body? What is this mountain before the mountain of the Lord? Who are you, mountain, before my King Jesus who has conquered every other mountain? Who are you, O mountain? And so she's fighting, her husband's fighting for her life. And she has, she has an engagement to fly from Africa to America to speak at Toronto, Canada Church. And they ring up and they say, we prefer you didn't come, Cindy. 
uh, I mean Heidi, because we don't want you to die on our altar. It's not good publicity. <laughs> like, <laughs> woman of faith dies on the altar of Toronto. Not good for that church. And, um, and she said, I'm coming anyway. I'm just coming anyway. And so they, they put her on a stretcher. They fly her there on a stretcher. They, they carry her into the church on a stretcher. They lay her out on the altar on a stretcher. They don't, the poor church, they don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> she's the guest speaker and she's dying. Like, And she said she was so sick by this stage. She thought that she probably had a few hours to live and perhaps. She was so sick. She was near the end. But she said she was not going to give up. She said, if I'm going to die, then I will die doing the will of God. And so she says to the pastor, she goes, bring me the sick, you know, (laughs) from her stretcher, (laughs) bring me the sick. And so they start to line up the sick and in two rows and they're coming down either side of the stretcher. She's laying down. They get down on their knees. She goes, you know, she's laying hands, healed, 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 healed. Every single person that she lays her hand on is healed, deaf, blind, sick, whatever sickness, every one of them is healed. And then she thinks to herself, I need to keep doing this. I'm not finished. She says, stand me up. And they stand her up and they get her up on the pulpit and they slump her over the pulpit. She just slumped over. And, and, she, and she says, you mountain, who are you that you would stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the mighty God? My Bible says if I, if I speak to this mountain, if I have faith and I speak to this mountain, it will be removed into the sea. Well, I speak to you, mountain, and I say, move. Grace, 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 grace. She just speaks like that. Next minute, three like bolts of lightning hit her body. And she goes, bang, bang, bang. And she's completely healed. And she preached the whole conference and she's back in Africa now doing her work. <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy. You know, it's, it says in Deuteronomy 4.9, let's read that. If you could put that up for me. And I read this last week. It says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your hearts as long as you live. Teach them to your children, to the children after them. You know, I remember a time when, when, when Phil and I, you know, we, we had been going to church for a while. We had been, both of us had been radically saved outside of the church. We'd both been saved in encounters with God in our own rooms on two different sides of the planet. God brought us together. We shared with each other about the encounters we'd had and we decided that we would we better try this thing called church out together. And so we went on a God-seeking journey. We found a church. We got baptised together. <laughs> we started going to church together. And it was just amazing. It was like, this is what we've been searching for our whole lives. The presence of God in that church, the worship in that church. It was just like being in the very presence of God Himself. It was just so beautiful. But, you know, after a while, after, after many years of being in the church, we moved up here in, in another church. Right across, it was a known fact. It was, it was just a known, you know, common knowledge that right across Australia and across the churches of the earth, there was a dry season. 
It was very dry. And, you know, we used to go to church and the pastor would preach and there'd be no anointing. It would be just like, oh, you'd just be so grieved in your spirit. And he would do an altar call and no one would come out. He would pray for the sick and no one would get healed. And, you know, we just felt for our church. We felt for our pastor. And we felt so dry. We were so dry. You know, this went on for four years. Four years where we never even felt the presence of God. We would go to church, everybody, everyone would talk about it. We're just not feeling. And people got used to that, just going to church and just doing church. But we never got used to it because, see, we hadn't forgotten. We hadn't let it slide from our hearts what it really felt like to be in that presence of God. And then there came this opportunity. We'd heard on the grapevine that God was moving in other nations. We heard on the grapevine that there was a move of God that had started. And we were, we were so hungry. We were so, you know, you would go to church and come home and feel worse. You'd feel depressed. And it'd be like, I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to take my kids there. This is terrible. And then we heard about this move of God and we just started to get really, really excited. I wish someone would come to this nation. Then we heard that you could get videos. And the videos were full of testimonies of people who had been changed by this move of God. And so we did everything that we could to get these videos. And at that time, we had a small connect group in our house. So we thought, these videos are amazing. We're going to watch them. And we watched them just with our friends, a couple of our friends. And as we're watching and as they're sharing what God is doing in them, as they're talking about it, as they're relaying, as they're giving testimony to what God was doing in their lives. These were, talk, these were pastors. These were pastors who had been dry for years, who, who had almost given up on the ministry, who were, who were revived and refreshed, who had encounters with God, who had burning bush experiences. And they were all talking about it. And, we, and just me and Phil and two of our friends, we were in our lounge room and we got just totally whacked by God. And we're just on our lounge room floor in the glory of God. The glory of God came through the television set, through these videos. And we were getting filled with God. It was the Shekinah. They call it the Shekinah glory of God. When the Shekinah glory of God is when the manifest presence of God comes into a room and the weight of that is like, it's like weight. The Shekinah glory is the weight of His glory. And I'm telling you, when the Shekinah glory is in a room, you can feel it. It's like you're being pushed through the floor. Yeah, try and stand up when someone's praying for you. Try and resist. No way. You're just like, ah, like God is here. I'm on the floor. I'm just getting pushed through the floor by the weight of His presence. And I feel like from the inside out, I'm being transformed by this power that's going through me like electricity. It's like transforming me from the inside out. And I never want to leave this place. I feel like I'm being kissed by a thousand kisses. I feel like I'm getting a million hugs. I feel like I feel like I feel like I could fly, I could run, I could do anything. I feel like I feel like I'm eternal, that I'm untouchable. I feel like I feel like I'm just like in the best state of mind I could ever be in, in this presence. And from that day on, Phil and I lived in that for what turned out to be at least three years straight, every day, like that. 
our little connect group turned into a big connect group. We had to move out of our house, move our connect group into a hall. Then we busted out of the hall. And we're thinking, someone, someone, someone's got to come and start a church here in Wyong and get a hold of this stuff because this is amazing. And of course, you know, no one came and we just kept having meetings and people were getting filled in these meetings in a little, a little hall in Wyong. And, you know, people were coming from all over, all over the place, Newcastle, Sydney, some would fly in from Queensland. We heard God was moving here. You know, and we would open up those meetings. This is before we were pastors. This is before we did anything. This is just me and Phil hungry for God. This is just us, just normal family people, just saying we want more of God. You know, we would open up those meetings. We would begin to share. And, and then people would be just getting touched in their seats. They'd be crying. You know, people would run out to the altar and fall on their knees and want to give their hearts to Jesus because they'd feel the presence of God. There were marriages being restored during the giving message. People were hugging and kissing in their seats because God was doing something incredible in someone's marriage. And there were people set on fire for God. I, I can't even, like you, you need to write a book. I'm only telling you some of the stories at the beginning to get you hungry because I want to tell you a lot more because it got bigger than that. You know, we used to finish the meeting at night and we'd have to carry people out and put them into their cars. I think you were one of those, Lisa, as a child. (laughs) Put them into their cars because they were so under the presence of God that we literally couldn't, couldn't get them to even sit upright. They would just be, and just in glory, like smiling, like you used to call it drunk in the spirit. They'd be intoxicated with God. And we'd have to say to people, please watch the speed bumps when you're driving out of the meeting tonight because there'd be just people laying all over the car park. Just the glory of God. You know, please watch the speed bumps. Don't hit any speed bumps on the way out tonight. Could be your (laughs) mother-in-law. Until finally we just got so hungry and so desperate that we heard that God... The guy, one of the guys who was a part of this revival who had been really one of the guys who had testified on one of these videos was actually preaching at a youth conference. Um, where was it? Valor Beach, at Valor Beach, near Coffs Harbour. But it was a youth conference. It was all youth. You know, we were so hungry for God at that stage. You know, we had three little kids at that stage. We were kind of middle-aged, I guess you would say. <laughs> middle-aged? Are we middle-aged now? Yeah, we're middle-aged. If we live to 100, we're middle-aged now. You know, kind of young family anyway. And it was a youth conference, like all these kids. But we were so desperate that we went to a youth conference and we camped with the youth <laughs> with our three kids. Jesse would probably remember. And we were just so de- And we took my mother. We took the mother-in-law just in case we needed a speed bump, you know. And uh, we took her. Because my mother just was so hungry for God too. And so we're sitting in these meetings and this guy began to talk. And, you know, and then he was just like, he started to preach. And all of a sudden, people were just starting to get touched by God, falling out of their seats. People were falling on the floor. Some people were laughing. Some people were crying. It was like a wave. You could hear it. You could hear it start over here. You just hear, 
<laughs> and then it would just like, next minute it would grow bigger and bigger and bigger like a wave and it would just hit the whole room. And Phil and I are just sitting there going, this isn't God. This can't be God. We were just so religious and stiff by this stage. We, we didn't even recognise God when He was in the room, you know. And then my mother, you know, some of you know my mother. And she's in heaven right now causing a lot of havoc, I can tell you. Um, she's just bossing them all around. She's saying, Paul, get out of the way. I need to get in this great cloud of witnesses and pray for my daughter. You know, I know that's what she'd be doing. But, but she, she went out the front. She said, I want some of this. I'm jumping in the river. And she jumps into the, onto the altar call on her belly. Like she was a large woman. She jumps on her belly and she starts swimming on the floor in front of us. And Phil's going, Jill, get up, get up. And I'm saying, Mum, you're very embarrassing. And the kids are sitting there just going, oh, this is crazy. What are you doing? Where have you bought us? And my mother's going, come in. The water's wonderful. It's just wonderful. And she's splashing us with this water that wasn't even there. We couldn't. And you're looking at it, it looks crazy, right? But my mother got off that floor completely changed. It looked nuts to us. It looked weird. But she got off changed. And we're going to leave this meeting. We want to get out of there. But the next minute we look across and Jilly, my eldest daughter, who was about nine at the time, uh, was laughing uncontrollably in her seat, just going, oh, <laughs> and she's crying and she's laughing. I'm going, stop it, stop it. And her father's going, Jilly, that'll be enough. Stop it now, stop it. And she's going, I can't, Dad. It's just, oh, it's just, it's just, God's all over me, Dad. Oh, she's just laughing her head off. And so we picked her up. We're going, we're getting out of here. This is crazy. You're all nuts. This isn't God. And so we were going to leave. And we brought our two Baptist friends with us. And, and these two Baptist friends were pretty, you know, they were pretty straight Baptists. And the wife had a germ phobia. And it was like her whole house was like, you sat on the lounge, it had plastic on it. Do you know what I mean? She'd always be spraying, wiping everything. If you touched it, she'd wipe it down. She just had this germ phobia. And I had heard that she had been in the bathroom, in the, in the bathroom of a camping site full of youth, rolling on the dunny floor, laughing hysterically. And I thought, I've got to get them out of here. They've caught it. They've got it. They've got caught. You know, they've, they've got it. The devil's got them. And we've got to get him out of here. So we went out to their cabin and we knocked on the door saying, we're going to get you out of here. We're going to rescue you. And, and, and they, she, they opened the door and she's laughing hysterically on the bed. She's kicking her legs up like this. And we say to her husband, we've got to get you out of here. And he says, are you kidding? This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. My wife is not scared of germs anymore. My wife has been set free and delivered. I'm staying, you know, and our Baptist friend stays. <laughs> It was amazing. So we decided to stay and just have another look. And the next day, they had water baptisms. And, you know, I remembered when I got water baptised, when we did find the church and I got water baptised, I'd been reading the Bible about water baptism and I was so excited. I thought, you know, I'd had such an encounter when I got saved that I was expecting a similar encounter when I got water baptised. I thought, you know what? I'm going to get in that water. I'm going to feel a dove come down on me. 
I'm going to go, I'm going to come up out of that water speaking in tongues. I'm going to hear the heavens open and God say, this is my daughter and who I'm well pleased. I'm expecting all this to happen. And so this is back in the 80s. And I remember, you know, they baptised us in this tank. We had to wear these white gowns and we had to cross our arms like that. And they put me in the tank and they just went, duck, duck, you're done. I went, no, I'm not. They went, no, you're done. I said, no, I'm not. Duck me again. That's not how it goes. So I'm saying to the pastor, brand new Christian, that's not how it goes. Duck me again. I'm not done. And he goes, no, you are done. I said, no, I'm not speaking in tongues yet. I didn't feel any power come on me. I didn't see the heavens open. He said, oh, Julie, we'll explain that to you later. Just get out of the water. You know. And so all these years later, here I am in this camp and they're having a water baptism. And we're standing watching the water baptism. It's in a lake. And as the people are walking into the water, the people can hardly walk from the power and the glory of God that's on them. Like their knees are going weak as they're walking into the water to be water baptised. The pastor's not even in the water. They've got two catches in the water just in case the people drown because the power of God is so strong. And the pastor just stands on the shore and he says, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we baptise you. And they don't touch them. And the people go flying back into the water. The power of God ducks them under the water. The catchers have to pull them up so they don't drown. And then they, they're curled into fetal positions and God's dealing with their hearts. He's breaking off things. He's, he's, he's circumcising their hearts. He's, they're getting filled with power. They carry them out of the water. They sit them on the edge. They stick a towel over their heads. They're speaking in tongues. The power of God is there. Oh, And I just said, I want this. This is what I've been looking for. This is God. This is God. Maybe all that other stuff isn't, but this is God. And, um, and I just walked into that water, fully clothed. And I heard the voice of God say to me, walk into that water, I'm going to baptise you into a new anointing. And I walked into that water. I tell you what, the pastor's standing on the shore, I'm fully clothed. I feel the power of God come down on me. He says, I baptise you in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. I go flying through the air. I land in the water. I end in a fetal position. And all the rejection and the pain that I'd had from my growing up years, which is welled up inside my belly, I'm telling you, He just said, in Jesus' name, I break your past from your life. And like a big black cape, it just came off. And then He said, now you'll be able to love your husband as you always long to love him. And he didn't know anything about us. He didn't know that pastor, that, that because I'd been abused as a child, I struggled to love my own husband. But that thing came off me in a moment in time. And the power of God hit me in that water and I was never the same again. I want to tell you, when we're speaking this month about come up here, we're not just talking about some you know, childish endeavour. We're saying we have been there. We're saying that we have seen We want to tell you stories about things that we've seen, things that we've noticed, like um, witnessed, uh, miracles, signs, incredible meetings, you know, years of sitting in meetings day in, day out and seeing lives change because God turned up. And I believe and we believe Phil and I with all our hearts and the prayer team are praying this month into this church that the well of revival that has been in this church since day dot is going to well up and, we, and the rains are going to come and God is going to come visit His church and we're going to experience. Maybe it won't be like that. Maybe it won't be the way you expect it or I expect it. But I just want God. I don't know about you. I just want God. 
hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Selfless faith to live like Christ.